It's episode 107 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting in a Zoom meeting with the creator of the Ruffian Supper Club. I'm talking about Natalie Trevino. Thank you for being here. You are so welcome. Thank you for asking me. Absolutely. I've just been in awe of you since I first heard about what you were doing. And then, of course, seeing the dishes. And then <laughs> I've looked more than once. I've, I've been like this close to pulling the trigger on being a guest and just didn't. And uh, yeah. yeah. And then now, of course, this whole coronavirus situation. So but I saw on your website that hopefully you'll be back in August. What do you think? That- was so thank you for reminding me I need to change that banner <laughs> um, I mean with this whole recent sort of explosion uh I'm gonna have to push that back so I mean obviously so. right no that that's Can't okay I was like kind of hoping I'm like maybe they can do it social so like socially distancing but I think even still it, it might take away from the whole experience because it just looks dreamy and magnificent and I love that you're in Corpus doing this it just thrills me so have you always been, like, did you always know that you were going to be good in the kitchen kind of thing? Have you been cooking your whole life? I could, I've been cooking as long as I could reach the stove, basically. But before that, I was destroying plants in my grandmother's backyard, pretending to cook, that they were my ingredients and the dirt was my other medium. And I'd mix it with water and just create all this havoc in her backyard and destroy all her succulents. Because did you know that if you pick a succulent and pop it, like juice comes out. Like I was completely obsessed with it. So what? I, always I didn't know that. <laughs> just pop a succulent and like it's very wet succulent. <laughs> so I would always destroy all her succulents and make mud pies and just pretend to cook and talk to the pick fence pickets. You know, they were my audience and I was, you know, doing the bam and everything. So. Wow. Quite into the cooking and, and making with my hands. So, I love yeah. stories like that where, and I've actually heard before that people who are very active in a certain like niche when they're kids, they already have an idea of what they want to do. And then down the line, they, they might change their mind. But for the most part, that you have a natural affinity for that kind of thing. Absolutely. I always was drawn to cooking. Um, I tell this story at the supper club that I didn't really, cause I always loved to cook and I loved to bake, especially with my mother. And so Christmas baking, you know, holiday baking, all the cookies and all the stuff that goes with it. I would just absolutely love that time of year. Cause you know, you got to stand up on a chair and bake with mom. And then something happened in the middle of the year. I think she was making my brother like, a, like some cookies or for something and I could smell cookies and it was not Christmas time. And I ran out and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like, I'm making cookies, and I was like, you can bake when it's not Christmas? Are you kidding me? Like, that's when the whole world sort of opened up, and I was cooking and always making, so. And I always wanted to go to culinary school, and that was a dream of mine, and I just didn't ever pursue it because I thought it was too expensive. Uh, Yeah, that's the first thing you hear. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So my brother got into his dream school in Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon. I was like, oh, I can do a little bit better and stay inside Texas and find a culinary school. So I did. I... Love that. So you you always knew you never deterred from, I mean, besides, the, you know, the consideration that culinary school might be, you know, too much financially, but for the most right. part, you knew that ultimately you were going to be in the kitchen. Um, yes. However, I pursued more sort of attainable goals. So I knocked the culinary school off of myself. I counted myself out and I went to, to do teaching. So I was, I was like, you know, the babysitter at church, and I was always very involved with um, babysitting people, you know, in my in my area, so I um, 
thought I was going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I went to school for education, childhood education, and um, I just got burnt out. And I was working at Bed Bath & Beyond at the time because I couldn't get out of the kitchen, you know, like cookware <laughs> and all the electrics. And like, I love that. Heaven on earth. Like if, you, if I'm not at HUB, I'm at Bed Bath & Beyond. So I worked there for eight years between, you know, here in Austin, in Corpus and Austin, I worked at Bed Bath & Beyond for eight years. I loved it. But um, I counted myself out of culinary school. So then pursued teaching and then I was like holy cow kids are great but like they have parents so mm-hmm. get out of here so thank you for like, saying oh. that you hear that parents because <laughs> like they're not your kids like even though you're with them you know 12 hours a day sometimes at a preschool level mm-hmm. between 10 to 12 hours a day they're not your kids so what wow. yeah so <laughs> so were you kind of doing like an intern like what do you call that being an aide, and is that when you realized like this isn't for me, or were you full? So when you yes, so when I went in for student teaching, so I got the job right after high school. I taught at the preschool, and it was a local preschool. She ran a K four program, which is the prerequisite to kindergarten. Um, she ran the K four program out of her home, and so I had I was her K three teacher. So we sat down every day, you know, taught them to write, you know, their names and color and the lines and all that stuff, and. Uh, two years of that, I was able to work in a, in a preschool while going to school to teach preschool. And that was perfect. I didn't have to be placed anywhere, but then it came time to student teaching in like a facility. And I was, I couldn't do it. I was, oh. I was absolutely burnt out already. And I wasn't even 21. I was like, I have to do something else. This is not what I want. So that's how you, I always knew like I wasn't supposed to do it because it just felt so hard mm-hmm. just like hitting a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Thank you so. for saying that. And so then in there where you're like, okay, I have a choice to make. I had a choice to make and I stopped going to school because um, I felt like I was spinning my wheels at Del Mar. I loved Del Mar, but your girl did three years at a two year school. <laughs> that's how much Hey, I that's knew. okay. It that's okay. Yeah, they just took my time, you know, and then I took my time a little too much. So I stopped and went to work at Bed Bath and Beyond and I was like immersed in the cookware. And did you know that Bed Bath and Beyond has university programs? No, so literally teach you about the product so you can give customers better information to make better choices when they're purchasing. So it's not just like they're not trying to sell you the most expensive thing. They're trying to sell you what you need. That's amazing. So, I didn't know that. So go shop at Bed Bath & Beyond. They're amazing. But wow. Yeah, seriously, they taught me so much and I was in it. And then when, like I said, when my brother got into his dream school in Pittsburgh, I was like, I can go to mine. He can do his. I can do mine. So then I applied to a culinary school in Austin at the Art Institute. And I got in pretty much on the first phone call. They were like, yeah, you're perfect. Your high school GPA was wonderful. Like you're, you're all your transfer credits. You're all A's. So let's do it. So I got wow. in. Wow. Congratulations. So did you feel like finally you're like, okay, now this is the right path. I just need to make it through school. I mean, so I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who's been through actual culinary school. How, how was it? It was the best three years of my life. It was completely immersive like from walking in the door like the and it was in an office building so first floor was all the kitchens and so when you walk into the school building you're very intimidated but then I looked to the right and I was like it felt a little bit more peaceful because like the first thing you see is a kitchen and I know what I'm doing in there so (laughs) it felt a little bit better but the whole program was immersive um I did the bachelor's program for culinary management so it integrated like the accounting the marketing the business side of it as well as all the cooking and the labs and the specialty sort of global cuisines that we were introduced to it was a great program and it was supposed to be three years but i had some um, transfer credits so i didn't have to take all three years but 
I was in the first, it was me and another guy. We were the first to, to graduate with bachelors. Wow. From that particular branch in Austin. So that was Man, cool. that is amazing. <laughs> that is fantastic. So I think, okay, this is probably a weird que- question, but just, this just goes to show how little I know about culinary school. Do you need to ha- be an experienced cook to go to yeah. culinary school? So you can go no, in totally green. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a story. That Please. I was like, you're totally paired off with people, strangers. So you're all in this first program together. You're at tables. You kind of work in groups. Um, and the first group I was with, I didn't really know anybody. You just kind of get introduced. So the first day of school, we had people slice their thumb, like getting their knife out of their kit, you know, already slicing their thumb. Poor thing. The first time uh, we had, so then they start slow with like chicken stock. So you're just like cutting vegetables and putting them in a pot with water with chicken bones and you're supposed to get stuck. People were messing that up. So when we're going to cut the chicken off the bone, this girl was like, I just wanted to make cupcakes. Why do I have to do this? <laughs> like, this is 101. Yep. If you don't want this, please get out of my way. Yep. So, <laughs> I was, so I totally, I was in my element. I knew what I was doing and I just sort of had to put my head down and work because it couldn't get caught up with the people around me. And it was really cool about culinary school because there were people straight out of high school. So, like, my roommate was 17. Like, she graduated early. So, she was 17. Wow. Um, all the way up to her name was Gertrude. I don't know where she is. Gertrude was 73. And her <laughs> and her sister wanted to open a restaurant. It was amazing. And so, their husbands had passed, and it was their turn to do what they wanted to do. So, one went to take accounting classes at ACC, Austin Community College, and the other went to the Art Institute to learn how to cook. And I was like, you guys are amazing. So having them in my class was, I mean, having her in my class was just like, nobody's too old, nobody's too young, just do what you want to do. But you can totally go into culinary programs green. However, you will not make it if you stay green. (laughs) So you get weeded out pretty quickly. And so that happened early, not only because it was expensive and people are sort of being wasteful of their education and opportunity, but it gets hard really fast and if you're not into it then you're gonna fall to the wayside so do you think because i want to go back to what you said that it gets hard oh yeah but do you think you utilize a lot of those skills from the basics all the way to like you know the most experienced dishes without a doubt so in the fundamentals of cooking you learn techniques so they teach you the very step-by-step breakdown of how to do the most basic things because if you learn that basic technique you can apply that to absolutely every you know ingredient absolutely every anything you can cut and paste and put in there also globally I mean there's only a handful of ways to use fire so everybody so not only do you learn these techniques you can learn them and place them with different foods from across the world and then you have a global style of cooking Mm -hmm. so it was it got hard, it got really fast, but it's all, it's all those basics. If you get those basics down, that's how you learn how to cook. Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a natural in the kitchen. I mean, I'm okay, right? I'm okay. I can yeah, follow right. directions. Like, I'm fine. But I'm not yeah. a natural. So pe- people who are just naturals in the kitchen, I'm just am- amazed by. Because, be, you know, being able to, to cook and to, for people to enjoy a meal, a meal is like magic. So uh, that, that's so incredible <laughs> to me that you went in there and you rolled up your sleeves and you're like, I got this. So I want to go back to your saying when it got hard. So what would be an example of school being challenging for you oh so any given day you're handed 14 14 to 18 recipe cards 
you got to not you're not handed those cards you're told in the book what recipes you need and you need to come with the cards so you come with the recipe cards which means you've had to read through um, get some background information sometimes there's some culinary anthropology you had to be aware of before um, classes in Asian cuisine you had to write a paper uh, every week that went along with the recipes you were going to create so you're in, responsible for 14 to 18 recipes a day and then you're put with people that aren't necessarily um, as motivated or as skillful as you are and you've got to work as a team to get it together mm -hmm. because like in the real world you don't control who your co-workers are mm -hmm. so you've got to make it happen you've got to crank it out you've got to be you know good enough to like pick up the slack if you need it and definitely make sure you don't create any slack because that just looks bad on you for so sure it's hard it gets fast. You're giving a plated time. So these four hour classes go by like that because it's four hours and you had to cook and finesse and practice your knife skills and just sort of monitor what you're doing. And it was controlled chaos at all times, but that's life in the kitchen. Ask anybody who works in the kitchen and that's controlled chaos. So I yes. love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the finished product, I mean, it just comes out so beautiful. People are like, I don't care what's happening in the kitchen. And meanwhile, y'all are like, you know, sweating and doing your thing. I mean, I, yeah, I, I adapted the bandana, not because it's cool, but because you're, you're, I'm a sweaty girl. Yeah. I mean, especially down here. Well, I mean, but you were in Austin, but so yeah, sure. you are from Corpus, right? Born and raised. And do you feel like being down here has influenced the dishes that you develop? Absolutely. So that's definitely part of the ruffian. It was not only what I learned in this traditional style of French escoffier technique in cooking, but it's the influence of, you know, the taqueria that I go to every Sunday morning or my favorite steakhouse that's been here forever or Catfish Charlie's. Shout out to Catfish Charlie's. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just picking what is around me and it influences who I am and what I do and what I put on the plate. I mean, this is your art for sure. I think, yes, it is. Thank you. It very much is an art form. And doing the ruffian or having the ruffian, um, that art form has sort of grown in me. And I, now I see it more as an art than like sort of a love language and who I am and my hobby and what I want to make money doing. It's all, it's everything that I do it all involves stuff in the kitchen. So. That yes, makes me so are. happy because to, to figure all that out, some people spend years figuring out the answers to all those, you know, questions about themselves. And you, yeah. you just know what that's amazing. So did your, did you learn like the ropes from family members or did you just kind of go at it by yourself? Like learning mm -hmm. the fundamentals? Yeah. No, that was all me. So, I mean, my, my grandmother on my dad's side cooked out of necessity. She had nine children. So you have to. My mom's mom was, um, my mom's one of four and they were hunters, fishermen, and my grandmother was a gardener. So it was everybody had to contribute because that was the way of the, so they didn't cook because they, you know, necessarily loved to cook, but they loved to eat. So they had to know how to cook. So it's just, you know, out of necessity for my parents, but for me, it was a total art form hobby, just something that I grew to love. Yeah. So it actually just sort of grew inside me and I, I loved it. So. I mean, even as a young kid, th those stories just 
make me so happy because I'm like, that girl knows what she's going to do. And sure enough, I mean, people have memories of you doing that in the backyard. And, and now here yeah. you are. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, you were clearly born to do this. So after school, because you were in Austin, did you immediately move back? Did you hang out in Austin? What happened next? So after I graduated in Austin, I moved back home directly because I had an illness. Um, sort of growing inside of me and um, I just kind of chalked it up to bad luck and always being overweight my whole life just thought it was a weight issue and then over the next four years it got worse and worse and um, it and I was working as a personal chef so I would take odd jobs here and there working for people in their homes wow um, but it really stole my ability to be in the kitchen because a restaurant job is so physically taxing so I could not you know do those five hour stints in the kitchen anymore. I was sort of losing my mobility. And um, in the summer of 2016, actually um, four years ago next week, or four years ago Saturday, uh, that illness inside of me was an ovarian cyst. And that cyst um, ruptured and I lost, it's gonna like, I lost a significant amount of weight. Wow. Like if I said the number, we probably like, we would be talk about that the entire time. Wow. So that cyst ruptured and I was um, made better because it was gone, followed up with doctor's appointments, just making sure everything was okay inside of me. And I lost a significant amount of weight in a week, in weeks. Because and of the I size of the cyst and everything that, wow. And did nobody see it? No, everybody saw it. Okay, it they knew. In, in the form of like, oh, like when you do, how many babies are you having? That's how large the cyst was. Let wow. me just show you this photo. Which yes, please. I keep it in my office because it's my motivation. Absolutely. Um, I keep it in my office because my motivation. Whoa! Wow! So you can the surprise you need to. It really was quite large. Wow! So it was really cool my life. Yes. So, and absolutely. So when it when it ruptured and went away, um, I had to relearn how to walk, project my voice, sort of use my body better, and um, it took me about six months, and I was, you know, okay. And then I got a job at a tax service, a local tax service with my mom and her employers. We've known family friends for years. They, um, they gave me a job as a receptionist sort of to reintroduce myself to people again because I had hermited myself. I counted myself out again and I didn't want to be seen in public with my cyst the way that it was. For sure. So I get that. Really just totally was a mind, just like mental illness to the max. Like I still have PTSD from this thing. So, um, but it's gone and that sort of led to my um, tenacity now chasing my dreams because I already sat out for a long time and I'm tired of sitting out. So that's why, that's why I just sort of, I'm gung ho about it now. <laughs> You're incredible. That is, <laughs> I'm just, oh, oh my goodness. I'm sorry. I don't talk about that much, but that's a, that's a huge part of why I'm so, I throw my, I throw myself into the ruffian because I've already been in like through like some of the worst stuff you could already go through and I'm ready to go. And I'm here you turn. are. Yes, here you are. That's what I that's what I love so much is that and something that's actually a pretty common occurrence amongst the women that I have on this podcast is they experience some sort of like devastation, like whatever it may be, something that goes down that just really affects them and and um you know they're down for a time but it's temporary and then they come out just killing it and that makes me so happy because you definitely came out of that doing some amazing things 
So is that when, so four years, by the way, this Saturday, that's huge. Congratulations. That is huge. So was it after you recovered that you were like, you know what, I'm ready to maybe start my own business? Like how, how did it come to be that you were like, I'm ready to go out on my own? I applied for, so that summer, so that was 2016, 2017, I had the job in the receptionist office, sort of warmed up again to people. And then that summer I was looking for jobs online, found a a position for a head chef um, at a local restaurant that was opening. I applied. Um, They said, we already have a head chef, but we really like your resume. Let's interview you for the um, sort of like the sous chef assistant kitchen manager position. And I said, at this point, let's do it, anything. It was a restaurant starting from the ground up. So then Hurricane Harvey hit. Of course. And then um, that put some setbacks in, and the restaurant was supposed to open in the fall, and it didn't open, and um, we didn't get paid, and we didn't, uh, we were putting in work, and people weren't getting paid, and then we just sort of opened under a crutch, like we didn't have a lot of, you know, we didn't have any kitchen equipment to use, so there were a bakery with no ovens. Type oh, of wow. It kind of had to make it work. And then we were completely um, just sort of snubbed, and uh, we didn't get paid at all. Mm-hmm. So having to have that job where you you work for somebody who sacrifices their employees for their own personal gain and doesn't, you know, these people are working and they're away from their families, and these women that I worked with had kids. And this guy that I was working with had his ailing parents and like they were taking time away from them and I was taking time away from my family and we weren't compensated and that was it. So we all just sort of washed our hands of it and we were gone and uh, we left that restaurant and it's within two months of us leaving it, it folded Mm -hmm. because it was just run unethically. So it just folded. Mm -hmm. So then I had that other sort of mark on me because you know, getting back out there in the workforce and working for people. And then I end up finding the worst type kind of person to work for. And I was just like, really, that's great. And then while that was happening, because I was so involved with this restaurant, my cyst had rebuilt itself. So I had another procedure done. I had eight, my first procedure done where I was hospitalized for six days and I had this miracle doctor. Finally, I'm in, I'm under doctor's care now. And there's no more cysts as of now. Thank he God. Is, yes, he totally, he like rigged up the catheter fully. Like when they pump people, he rigged it to my stomach to help pump my cyst out. And these nurses were pumping my cyst all night long. Mm-hmm. And I hope nobody's eating when they listen to this. No, this is they, so they, fascinating. They, um, ex- he pulled out that night 21 liters of fluid. And there is a poundage to that. And I'm sorry, I throw this at everybody. It's just sort of like, but that's a real number. And like even the nurses who were rounding on me and coming in for shift change, they said 21 liters. And she was like, that's a five gallon bucket. And I was like, who are you telling? I know. <laughs> I, like, I know, man. So, but I was so wrapped up in my, in my new job and everybody that I was working with. And I was really trying to get it off the ground. And it, it, it wasn't happening. And then I got sick. So during that time, that was the early, that was the winter of 2018. I was under this new doctor's care. He's an absolute angel. He's a, he's a gynecological oncologist. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Oh, that was another thing I meant to tell you. It doesn't matter if like dogs bark or phones go (laughs) off. uh, None of that matters. That's Sally Mae. We can just let it go to voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She can definitely leave a message. But anyway, 
we um i don't even know what i was saying oh my doctor he totally saved me he he helped me get with the bill situation and paying and not having insurance but he took care of me like my body my needs he, now i'm on hormone therapy and i've had the cyst removed i've had a busted ovary taken out so like i've had all these health problems sort of alleviated in that that early part of 2018 and God. then i was definitely ready again you know between like cyst and then bad business and then cyst and i was like let's go back out there and do this so that's what I was trying to find a job and I just kept getting no. I would apply to all these restaurants established or brand new and I just kept getting a no. And I was absolutely fed up with it. And then I was like, had always played with the idea of opening a restaurant, never really thought much of it mm -hmm. and didn't really pursue anything. And I focused really because I just kept getting no that summer. I just focused on my grandmother, my Oma. She was uh, 79 when she was diagnosed with celiac disease, so wow. she couldn't have gluten. So at this point in her life, she was, you know, she liked what she liked, and she, the food that she liked was taken away from her. So she was, like, my mission to, like, please her. And I wanted to make sure she got, like, cookies and bread and have meatloaf and mashed potatoes, whatever she wanted. She oh, you're the best. <laughs> you are the best. I wanted to make sure cooking for her was, you know, that was my goal that those next two years. And, um... And when she passed away in February of 2019, that's when I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, because I had used, I mean, I loved my Oma. I, I love my Oma and I was with her all the time because she was my goal. Now I had that sort of taken away from me and I had to go back out and sort of face the, like the real world because I know Oma loved me forever, who I am, mm -hmm. still does. So mm -hmm. I just sort of had to face that demon one more time and I went out there and I went to a very popular restaurant and I placed my resume in the hand my resume in the hands of the chef and he didn't even look me square shoulder to shoulder and he gave me a limp fish handshake and I was like no, no this is not happen. <laughs> the floppy no. fish I hate That's the floppy like fish a little fingertip like mm -hmm. oh, I'm gonna break you like you're made of play-doh I don't wanna break you like no are you kidding me Let's thank you for saying that Oh, no, I, I yeah, I no. I hate that. I think it's a maybe it's a Texas thing, but it's like, no, man, firm handshake. Don't break my hand, but don't treat me like you said, like a little yeah. glass house or whatever. And, <laughs> and like you and me, we're not even in the same zip code and we're shoulder to shoulder. Like you speak to somebody shoulder to shoulder. Didn't even turn my way. And I was like, you know what? That's it. So I called my brother, who is, I have two brothers, but I always talk, one is business and one is pleasure. And I talked <laughs> my business brother, and I was like, I have this idea. Let's do this. And he was like, it was the ruffian. And he was like, Natalie, this is an amazing idea. And if it fails, it's going to be your fault. So <gasps> you need to make sure it works. Oh, he's real hard on me. That's why the ruffian's good. Yeah. Like, I have this little taskmaster <laughs> behind me. So... But yeah, totally. And so that's when I, I pitched him the ruffian first and he was like, do it. So we did the first one <laughs> and then well, the rest is on your podcast, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's amazing is because you don't, you're, you don't necessarily have any overhead per se, right? Because you go and pre prep Absolutely. it at the house. Yeah. It's right. genius. That's why, and that's why I can smile and laugh right now because, yeah, my business is on pause and it hurts, but I'm the only one that's hurting. Mm -hmm. Do you know, like, I don't have these employees to, to, that I'm not feeding and I don't have this building to pay uh, rent for. I am a personal chef. I am a private chef who brings the party to you. 
I cook for all of Corpus Christi's strangers in strangers' homes. That's how the ruffian works. And it was sort of a really crazy idea, and I had zero idea if it was going to work. I was the, I'd be the first one to tell you it wouldn't work because I'm just a pessimist like that. I don't and believe that. It, what it did. <laughs> I was, just, and I'm so hard on myself. I really wish I gave myself more credit. I mean, or give myself more slack because I don't. You and, should. Um, you definitely should. Girl, look what you've been through. Sorry to interrupt your thought. I want you to finish that thought. But look at what you've been through. And you're here and you're doing the damn thing with such a unique idea. Like, I'm just like, that is brilliant. And it just came from the need. I wanted to cook for people. Like, I mean, I cook all the time for my family, but I, I wanted to sort of open that up to people. So that first ruffian was in March of 2019. It was a month after my, it was the month to the day after my Oma's funeral. And we had the wow. first ruffian in my Oma's backyard, the most magical place I could think of. Garden, beautifully well-kept. I mean, she would argue that it was not beautiful this last couple of years because she couldn't be out there as much as she wanted, but it was beautiful. It was, it's overgrown and it's magical, mysterious. And I put up a long table for eight and we did white tablecloths and just very simple flowers. I made a menu. I reached out to about... 50 people that I know from, you know, high school, college, past co-workers, people I used to go to church with, all these things, all these connections I exhausted and invited into this first ruffian and eight people said yes. And I was like, oh crap, I have to cook for eight yeah. people. Now this <laughs> is it. Because what was, good. what was the most or the largest group that you had cooked for prior to that? Prior to that, yeah, um, I did. I do Thanksgiving every year, so about okay. about twelve to fifteen, nothing huge. Okay, so but nothing so huge. then you felt comfortable with the the eight guests, like yeah. you knew you could do that. Eight people, but it was who these eight people were. Like it was like people I hadn't seen since the day I graduated high school, people I used to work with that know I'm a head chef, that that know I'm a chef in culinary school, that um, you know I wanted to be able to perform for, and then people that I have been friends with for years and years and they've never had my cooking. So it was like the pressure was on. And if anything was messed up, I couldn't say like, oh, my sous chef burned it. Like that's all me back there. Mm -hmm. So I had to make it work. So it was just a little bit intimidating. And of course, back to my PTSD, Natalie, with my cis body, I was terrified of people, of judgment, of what they were thinking before. Like I would make a joke about myself before they could make the joke. And I was, I've stopped doing that because it's not necessary. People mm -hmm. don't need me to say anything about myself. So mm -hmm. I don't. So it was that whole sort of fear of like, am I going to fail? Like, is this going to be good? And of course, the only complaint I had that night was, Natalie, it was way too much food. They paid 40 bucks for a five course meal. And to me, that was like, I had to, I had to deliver. Like I had to make sure they got their money's worth and they were like dying. And uh, thank God I had, uh, uh, what are they called? To go boxes. Yeah. Like, I got like little meal prep boxes so they could take it home. Cause I knew I was going to kill them, but it was great. And then I had another ruffian like two weeks later and then another week. And then I had a baby shower and then it just kind of tumbled into mother's day and mother's day. We blew up that weekend. I had my first vegan dinner. We got some great exposure from that. Mm -hmm. And then it just sort of took off and I've been running ever since. And then COVID came, right? God. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get we'll, to that. We'll get to that. But I'm just, okay. So well, first of all, why the ruffian? Why that name? So that's a great question. That is the number one question to every dinner party. And it's <laughs> from the movie Tangled. 
I love Tangled. So she was out in her tower, and then she comes down, and she's running and racing and all the business. And when will my life begin? And then her mom told her, you better stay in that tower because the ruffians are going to be out there. And I thought the ruffian would be the coolest name for, like, a hoity-toity French restaurant because... It sounds kind of masculine and a little bit butch, and I'm a both of those things. <laughs> I was like, I'm still a pretty lady French girl, but like I'm just a little bit rough. Yeah. So I thought the ruffian would be great because really good French technique food from my education, um, but it's sort of open to everybody. It didn't put me in this sort of like, like too fancy. I hate the word fancy. Like, oh, that's fancy. Like, no, really, nothing's fancy. It's, nothing is fancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just the ruffian, but it could be nicer it can make you feel like you're getting a little bit of the finer things in life i like the word finer not fancier but good to know yeah. i like that the ruffian came so the ruffian you know boil it all down it came from uh tangled so. that makes me so happy because if anybody <laughs> listening to this has not watched tangled it's so good one of the really good okay. recent uh disney movies it's so good Agreed. uh Okay, so first first uh, dinner party, you're super nervous. How did you plan the menu, or did you did was that super easy? Uh, see, the menu part always comes easy. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to make for the very first ruffian, I had to make sure that would probably be the hardest menu because I had to lay the groundwork of what I wanted to build on. Mm-hmm. So I knew it needed to be, you know, you could see French touches sort of flowing through everything, like using a little bit of the finer ingredients and in preparations you might not think. And then I did um, seafood in that first menu, and then I had a chicken roulade, which is a very basic sort of a rolled chicken dish, but it looked very elegant on the plate. It made you think you were somewhere else. I wanted people to be, to eat this food and imagine they weren't in Corpus Christi anymore, but then you know they went down the street and they're, they're in Corpus Christi, they're 10 minutes from their house. So I just sort of wanted to lay that sort of elegant, but tough and rough and hearty kind of a kind of a food, kind of a palate. I don't know. It was just something that I needed to be finer and rougher at the same time. But I love that combo because that's so South Texas, right? It's like, I mean, you'll, sure. li- you'll live on the island and it's nice on the island, but there's still sand and wind and sun and you have rock yards. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it's really nice, yes. but it's a little, it's a little rough. So... Yeah. After that, you said you immediately had your second one, or two weeks later, you had your second one. So were you already getting a bunch of people being like, hey, what's going on? What's this? Yes, I had people saying, sorry, I missed it. You know, we had softball practice or so-and-so had this going on. Oh, I know they had FOMO when they saw the pictures, dude. Oh, and it, like, kicked in. And that's when the things Nathan, my business my business brother, not my pleasure brother, Nathan and Nolan. So Nathan told me, you need to make sure that you take great photos. Like he was like, you need to hire a photographer for the first dinner. And I was like, I'm gonna make like 20 bucks. Like, what are you saying? I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't have money for a photographer. And he was like, trust me, it's important. So of course I didn't listen to him and I wish I had. But um, I had my one of my greatest friends from culinary school. Um, she was in a photography, in the photography classes. I called her and I was like, hey, you wanna come take photos? And she did. She did a great job. We had great photos from that first ruffian. And so um, I used her for the second one as well. She came back from the valley. She came up to take photos for me. Like that's what friends are for. For sure. Amazing. And so. Um, yeah, the pictures are great. Oh yes, thank you. So she did those two and um, we were able to get FOMO because we put us on the internet and that's when we made the Instagram account and the Facebook all on the same day we did the first dinner. That way we could sort of drum up some interest. 
And then a couple weeks later, we had that second dinner and it was my birthday dinner. And it didn't sell out as much as I wanted, but people came and it was nice. And we got really good photos because I cooked again and Claudia came and we took photos and it was a really nice time. And then the next weekend I did a ruffian for my best friend who was going to have a baby. So we did a baby shower ruffian. And so all her family came. And so they put us on their Facebooks and it sort of built from there. And then the following weekend was my first ruffian where um, I had people I did not know like strangers bought tickets wow on that was like a month later and my best friend came down from San Antonio with her then fiance so they bought tickets my aunts would always come and help me like sort of quote unquote pad the table so I could like not have you know bare minimum there but it looked like there were more people and then strangers bought tickets and the host when you host the ruffian our thanks to you is that you get two free seats so if you open your home up to strangers, you and your, you and somebody else can eat for free if they live there with you or if they come from out of town and come eat too. Wow. You get two seats for free as a thank you for hosting us our dinner. So those people came and put us on their Instagram and just sort of like how social media, the giant works, it just sort of spills out and people get exposure. And then the next weekend was our uh, vegan dinner. And that one I love that you did that. <laughs> That's such versatility to me to do that. That's huge. Thank you. Thank you. I, it was important to me because I don't want to, I'm going to be very inclusive. I want to make sure everybody could enjoy the ruffian no matter what. Like I, I've been asked to do a keto, probably won't do a keto one because it's like sort of a different vein that I don't want to visit. But I mean, I can totally, vegan style of cooking, plant-based cooking is so um, like inspiring. It's it's challenging for sure can it taste good can it be creamy can it be decadent and the answer to all of those are yes i mean i feel like every time i cook a vegan meal like the week before i go super method so i'm like eating lots of smoothie bowls and lots of salads and i'm making potatoes <laughs> who are I'm you like, daniel oh, day man, lewis why do i do this all the time i could totally live like this and then you know like breakfast on a buns happens so whatever. <laughs> oh for sure yeah my most people call those bobs my dad calls them bobs so that yeah that's a, that's a bob but uh I love, I, I love that and i think because you know vegan veganism you know most people will think like it's it's simple it's easy and uh, which can also be boring but i think with someone like you with like tremendous talents and you understand what goes well together and what you know how you can turn something into something else um is important, you know, to, to eat well as someone who's a vegan or even a vegetarian. And you're not compromising, right? You're not compromising interest or taste or anything. Or nutrition. Uh, like that. Yeah, exactly. Or your, or your morals, because they, they have strong morals and they believe in that. So um, it's always something that I sort of revisit and think to myself, why do I do this? And then I remember how delicious steak is and I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. But I totally eat the, I totally love the whole catering to my vegan crowd for sure. I think that's amazing. So what about, cause whenever you were talking about wanting to make stuff for your grandma, that you would have the gluten-free options. So is that mm -hmm. something that you include with your ruffian, uh, menus also? Um, I do it if it's asked of me. So I always make sure in, in the beginning, I really make sure that if you have any sort of dietary restriction, when it comes to celiacs, let me know. And I will happily accommodate. And I've had one person reach out to me ahead of time and ask me about gluten-free, and I was able to make all the necessary like accommodations for her. Oh, no, that's happened twice. So it was a, a girl that I didn't know. Um, I met her, her name's Kylie, she's amazing. Um, 
she came and her boyfriend texted me or he messaged the Facebook and he was like, by the way, my girlfriend's gluten free. And I was like, oh crap, I got you though. But it was like, kind of like, it kind of scares you, but it's something that I will happily accommodate. I won't, I won't ever feel like they're, I don't want them to feel like they're a burden. I want them to be included in the meal. So, and then I've had a fully gluten-free where like start to finish, like I've had several meals like that, but I don't advertise them as gluten-free because people sort of have a stigma with it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, loaded, you know, loaded potatoes and, and chicken with gravy and roasted vegetables. And then like a nice piece of like almond tart that can all be gluten-free and you have no idea. Oh my God, dude. So like, right? Like that's all gluten-free. sounds so freaking delicious. I'm starving (laughs) right now. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, no, please keep going. Cause I'm I'm literally thinking like, what am I going to eat after this? It's not going to be that good, but it'll be something. Uh, okay. So the, the first ruffian dinner established the layout, right? Or did you always know you were going to do a certain number of courses or do the number of courses change depending on the dinner? How does that work? So I kind of like the idea of five courses. They could get a, like a sort of an intro course. Like if I did a flatbread or something bready, something small, a couple of vegetable courses, a seafood course, a main quote unquote, and then dessert. And um, that layout was established from the first one. And it just sort of and it sounds very um, like you're getting your money's worth. Five courses is a lot of food. It really is a lot of food. Heck yeah. And it's a lot of food. It's a lot of production. Like you get your, your plate gets set and cleared five different times. So I just wanted to make sure people felt like they were getting an experience, not just, you know, going out to dinner. Absolutely. Because you also have your signature, what do you call it? Champagne punch? I have the champagne punch, I do. And I was so bummed when you texted that we were gonna be on Zoom, half bummed, because I was relieved too, because I was totally gonna make you some champagne. Oh punch. girl, trust but- me, it's it's <laughs> tough for me, because usually yeah. we'll we'll take a tequila shot, which, so whenever all this is said and done, I owe you a shot, because at, at the very least, you get a shot of tequila and a cup of water <laughs> at my house. I know, I'm like, I need to step up my game, because the past in-person interviews I've done, y'all provide stuff, I'm like, oh my God, I really, I need oh, to do better. No, it's fun. It's like, it feels good to do that so but yeah what was I saying I don't remember the champagne punch (laughs) champagne punch so I had champagne punch um didn't know what it was I was at a baby shower in Dallas and it was in this giant silver bowl and it was my cousin's baby shower and I sort of you know didn't know anybody it was you know a little bit intimidating found this nice slushy punch and I was like this is it this is what this is everything right here so like I probably had three to four cups seven to eight cups I don't know (laughs) but I was really trying to dissect it I was like what the h is in this like this is so freaking good and then um I just straight up asked my aunt to know if she knew about the punch and she told me that she knew who makes it she makes it all the time and this is how you make it so I took it and tweaked it and made it ruffian and now I have like this lemonade champagne slushy punch and it's the first one is sort of I thought about that punch for the first ruffian because I wanted to thank people for coming because they had they were taking a chance on me they had no idea if I knew how to cook they had no idea if I knew where they were going to sit where they were going to go and my grandmother lives in a not great part of town so when they were driving down that street I know they had some question marks flow through their head but I wanted the the um punch to be sort of a welcome and a thank you and then it was a hit and then I had made it for every ruffian after that because it sort of worked. And then on the vegan, vegan de Mayo one, I made um, margaritas. And people who were there were at the first ruffian and they were like, yo, Natalie, where's the punch? And I was like, <laughs> I have, do I have a request? Has my fame preceded me? Like, let's do it. So um, I've never been without champagne punch since that vegan de Mayo one when they were like, hey, where's the punch? So 
the works. It's good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can tell. I mean, just everything that you're making just looks <laughs> magical. Like this is on my Corpus Christi bucket list is to attend one of your dinners because it's just. Thank you. Yes, I can't wait. Yeah, same. I mean, because, <laughs> you know, I follow a lot of people who ha have you cook for them like often. And I'm like, man, they're doing another one. They're doing another one. They're so lucky. We do have some repeaters and I, they make me so happy because. I don't have a restaurant, but I have regulars. Like that's literally the best feeling. It feels so good to know that they like me, they like my cooking. And I've had people tell me that, um, they've had, I've had people tell me that they love my cooking and that's the best that they've had. I've had people tell me that your food is amazing and I don't think I've had anything better. And then I've had people tell me if the ruffian had different food, it would be okay, but it needs you. Like that you're the ruffian, it would miss you. And yep. so, there's people who have told me that and like you get kind of like choked up and I'm just like, okay, thank you. They like me. So. Well, good. I'm glad you're really taking this to heart because, you know, people aren't going to keep coming around if it's not exactly what they want. I mean, I can tell by the pictures it's exactly what I want. Not to mention the experience just looks amazing. And you're, you know, giving people the opportunity to meet different individuals and then it's in, a, it's in a, a house. You don't send the address out till the night before, which I think is really cool. Yes, I like the whole suspense factor. I thought that was good to add in there because not only like do they not know if they know me or the food, but like they have zero idea where we're going. Yeah. And it protects them, our hosts. Like so people aren't, you know, cruising by on Wednesday night like, oh, we're, oh, we're going to be there on Saturday. Like, no, I'm trying not to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's part of privacy, but part totally to, to build suspense. Yeah, the, just the whole idea behind it. I mean, so did when did it just come to you one day like was it a shower thought like how did you know what i'm saying like how did you come up with this it was a driving thought i'm a driver so i if i can't if i'm frustrated if i'm sad if i'm mad i'm gone like i'm in my car and i'm gone so i probably had picked up um like another route 44 water with women and i was going for a cruise and i had just dropped off that resume and i called my mom at work and i was like he didn't even shake my hand he didn't even look me in the eye and I went to that, get that drink and I just started going down Crosstown. I was like, boom, just like put it. <laughs> and um, I was like, I just want to cook for people. And then I started to get sad because I just wanted to cook for Oma. I just wanted to cook for my grandma one more time. And then I was like, I can cook at Oma's house. Like I can just have people come. And then it just sort of hit me. I was like, what if I just ask people to come to dinner, but they have to pay for their seat? So that sounds super wild because like when you cook people for dinner, like you have people over for dinner, like. You know, Venmo me 30 bucks because, you know, that stuff wasn't cheap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, can I do that? And I was like, that's basically what I'm asking. So I ran it by my brother. And so we just sort of brained it out for a little bit. Just sort of thought, like, if you do this, you have to do this. And you talk about the whole, like, liability part of it. And I was like, I'm just talking about having people. Dinner. Like, I'm not talking about recreating the wheel. I just want to make people dinner. Yeah. And uh, it happened. And it. It just, it just sort of like nothing comes out as it is. Like nothing comes out finished. So it's all been a, a progress. It's all been, um, you know, taking shape this whole time. But it initially started, I want to cook people dinner. I want to throw dinner parties for people who want to eat my food. That was basically it. I just wanted to cook for people. Well, now it seems like because you've been in the bend, you've been in the collar times. I mean, you even won, or you were the finalist for the her, the first ever bend her awards. I mean, so you became like a celeb in Corpus like pretty quickly. So how did that make you feel? It made me, I still make, I always tell my mom, I was like, fame don't pay the rent. Like that's like sort of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but I'm not downplaying it. I was absolutely, you know, 
floored. And like, at like the first time, whenever the newspaper, I think it was the bin first, the bin reached out to me first, but it's a bigger you know, publication. So it takes longer to come out. So in the time that the bin had reached out to me and I did my interview with them, the news and the caller times had got a hold of me. And it just kind of like one weekend after another, somebody else was reaching out to me about the ruffian. And I just, every single time it took my breath away, every single time it made me like, well, okay, that was like validation that I was doing the right thing. It, it just, it felt amazing. And it, my mom always says she has to take me down a few pegs. Thanks <laughs> mom. Like, Typical like, mom. mom. You know, according, you know, in my last magazine interview, I told, no, I was kidding. I would not sound like a total jackass. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, but like when you say stuff, like I would always make a joke about it, but it's, it, it's amazing to be recognized like that and in your own city. And that's the biggest part about moving back to Austin was yes, out of necessity because I was sick, but because I want Corpus to be one of those places that people love to be at. Like yes. I didn't want to take my talent and run, which is completely fine if people do that. They, they want to go to bigger and better cities, more opportunity, that's fine. But for what I want, for what Natalie can attain, it can happen here. And I knew that and I accept that. And I always want to come back here because I want to make here Corpus a place people want to come and people want to stay. So that's why I stay here. That's you. That's why. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm like, I thank you for doing that because you're right. I mean, so many people get these really amazing skills and knowledge and choose to go elsewhere. And that is fine. But I'm like, Corpus has so much potential. And I think we've seen that in the past few years. Like, it's very interesting to me that like a lot of the women that I brought on, yourself included, all kind of got started with their major, you know, career choice within these past like four years. It's huge. Yeah. So I'm just like, thank you for that. So when did you put that website together? Because that website is amazing. Like, I'm like, I see that there's still dinners in December. Yes, there are dinners in December. So we did my little half Christmas thing. I'm a big workaholics fan. So they do half Christmas in that show. I love workaholics. Shout out my half Christmas bros. But um, yes, I do have dinners on the books. I have private dinners on the books, but those aren't like public things. Mm -hmm. But um, the website, I made it it's from squarespace powered by squarespace thank you not sponsored but i wish <laughs> and um, squarespace is a great platform and it, i took all my photos so i have those initial photos that um my friend took for me and then the rest of it's just like instagram photos and then my business brother you know didn't really like threaten my life but if i didn't buy a really nice camera he was going to be very mad at me so i bought a very nice camera and i've watched a lot of youtube videos and now i take my own photos so i do all my own stunts i noticed that there's a picture of you taking pictures (laughs) i noticed yes that's all me taking photos like and i think it was fun that my mom grabbed that photo uh when i was taking pictures of me taking pictures but yes it's all me behind the camera and i and i cuss and i sweat and i'm ticked and I'm like, I have to cook and take a photo and edit it. Oh, this is so dumb. I'm a chef, not like, you know, bon appetit. Get me out of here. So, um, but it's so much fun. I've, it's very fulfilling because it's not natural for me. Mm-hmm. I really have to work at taking photos. So when they come out nice, I get real satisfaction of it. So that's, but I do take my own photos. And my brother, he sort of tells me what needs to go where and where. And um, um, he does software and hardware design in Oakland so he has an eye for that stuff and so I'll go and make sure it looks good and looks tight and he says yes or no and tells me what to fix and I'll fix it but yeah that's all me the website's me (laughs) but you know what I love though because you said 
photography or taking pictures doesn't come naturally to you, but you're doing it anyway, that's major. Because I'm telling you right now, I do not attempt to take photos ever. Because I'm like, I'm just, no, I'm not good at this. I'm not going to do it. And you're just like, no, I'm going to do this. That's I'm amazing. I'm a very can-do girl, for sure. Like, I don't like the thing. I don't like to count myself out because I've already done that. So photos, I, that's, I just, I think the first time I took a photo that I was really proud of, it really made me step back and like, maybe I can do this. So I would just you know, keep, keep working at it because practice makes perfect. It's true. I love that. And, you know, aside <laughs> from you, you know, being in the kitchen, you know, they say that most people don't start off good, right? Obviously right. you're yeah, the exception, <laughs> <laughs> but for everybody else to, to keep trying anyway, because if you put the time in, like you said, I, I think it'll happen. So something else I saw on your w website, which is, is it the ruffiancc.com? Is that what it is? Yeah. So that's my, that's my Instagram handle. Okay. Ruffian CC is the Instagram, but it's theruffian.com. Okay, theruffian.com. Pop-up dinner party website, and then it all comes from nataliechirino.com. Yes, I saw that. About me and stuff. But yeah, it's theruffian.com is my website. And so on there, you actually have cookbooks. You call them micro cookbooks? I call them micro books, and we actually had one released today, yay. Um, so this sort of was born out of, I've always had the idea to have a, cookbook go hand in hand with the dinner parties because dinner parties can be uh, intimidating and I think if you I want everybody to cook for somebody else I want people to eat together that's like my whole thing why the ruffian started and got going so big I just want people to eat together so having a cookbook maybe would empower people to cook but then the COVID strike happened and I actually had time to focus on a book and writing because writing is hard too so a book and writing and putting awesome photos with it this has happened out of quarantine is putting out these ebooks and they highlight dinner parties from 2019 so if you missed out on a dinner party in 2019 the month release uh lines up with the month that we had those dinner parties so i picked like the best the best you know dishes that got like great feedback or looked or were really delicious and i didn't anticipate them being that good i would i've redone the recipe to be home Home cooks can make these recipes from the ruffian. And wow. So, they so April, May, June, and then today's was the July release for the seafood one. So this was a seafood one. And yeah, it's they're just a lot of fun. And I'm getting better at it. And it's coming a little bit easier. And I'm not cussing quite as much when I take photos. But yes, they're my little babies, my little COVID babies. <laughs> that is so cool. And so I'm glad you brought that up because how, I mean, like you mentioned before, you know, you didn't have to worry about you know, get, telling anybody to work from home or obviously they couldn't work from home, but you know, let people go and that kind of yeah. thing or worry about paying rent. So, I mean, how has it affected you personally, you know, not being able to have the dinner parties during this time? I think the biggest is my emotional attachment to the ruffian. Like I cry regularly and I'm not a crier, but like I, I am mourning, I am mourning my, my business and it's not dead, but I'm, I'm, I'm mourning the disconnect. But I really do feel disconnected from what I built last year. And these little eBooks are kind of keeping me in the loop and reminding me of what we did and what, what I did from nothing basically and how everything changes, nothing is permanent and it'll be over soon. That's what I just keep telling myself. But I to totally am very sad that I can't have dinner parties. And it's, it's all because I'm high risk People ask me all the time. I am. I'm not kidding you. The day you asked me to do this, to schedule this um, podcast, I had turned down so many different people who wanted dinners in June, and it hurt me because I don't like saying no. For I sure. hate it. And um, 
and they, but it made me feel so good because my business is in debt. People still want me to cook for them. I'm high risk. The people I live with are high risk and it's just not safe right now. Mm -hmm. And that's all that it boils down to. And as soon as we can get back out there and have 12 people elbow to elbow sharing a meal, like that's the most vulnerable you could be during COVID. Like you're sitting so close and your mouth is open over and over again and you're laughing and you're having a good time and you're refilling your glass with wine and you're refilling your glass with the champagne punch. That is not that is not okay right now. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that I have to keep reminding myself. My brother keeps reminding me of it because I'll be like, what if I just do? And he's like, is it worth it? Is that, is that worth it to you? And I'm like, no, actually it's not. So it's a lot. It's very sad. Very, very sad. And I cry often about it because it makes me so sad. I'm so but sorry. I, yeah. It just, it's just, it's hard and it's hard. And I find comfort. I find comfort in that it's hard for everybody right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what's my, my, peers are suffering people that I work with are suffering and so we're all together in this yes that's, that's exactly right I mean not to mention too people you know value you and value your business and so they know that you wouldn't just tell them no to tell them no I mean this is serious stuff you know people are yes. really really being affected by this and um all I know is that people are just looking forward to the day that it comes back, you know, in full force, yes. which I'm hoping is in the winter because I see some those dinners still posted on, on your website yes. that to be yes. able to get so tickets I have for. December dinners. I feel very good about it. I have a couple hosts lined up who have said you can use my home whenever you want it. Um, they live alone. They have a cleaning service. So wow. they have like sort of sanitized area. So they feel safe in bringing people into their home because they feel safe on the turnaround that we can get it cleaned afterwards. And so I'm so thankful for them um, opening it as well as Port Royal, the uh, um, ocean resort condominium sort of out Port A. They have offered us um, rooms as well. So we were the, we did our Christmas party over there with them. We we did four dinners before COVID hit in their in their resort, trying to drum up business after the hurricane. Their facade is very, very damaged, and so from the outside it doesn't even look like it's open. But they're they're killing it on the inside. Like mm -hmm. pool is up and running, the beach is beautiful and clean over there, and the condos are great, ready to be rented. So they wanted us to have dinner parties. They're like, we have a room for you, and I was like, fabulous, let's do it. So getting in those sort of sterile environments and having these smaller dinner parties where we, we abide by the wedding party rule where you sort of split up um, six people and six people. Mm -hmm. So six people per table. Mm -hmm. So we can't quite work at half capacity because half capacity of what we have is eight people. And that is a, not a dinner party. I mean, it's a dinner party, but like we've, we've done up to 40, no, I'm sorry, 24 at the ruffians. So we've got quite the little crowd going and we can handle it. And, uh, I think if you have to cut us down to 50%, it's just not what it could be. Mm -hmm. So, no. But yeah, well, hopefully that the dinner party, dinner party season, like that whole little October to December where everybody loves to get together and have meals, and hopefully the ruffian can be back. And I'm planning for it. So if you look at all my my papers, I'm ready for it. But like, can I post them online? Or are the menus safe to go? So that's the toughest part, right? Is the unknown. But at the rate of our new virus cases, everybody might have it by September. So you might be you clear. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It's just it's crazy. Absolutely nuts. And then it's it's just stealing. It's stealing from so much. This illness is and this uncertainty. And I can't. I'm. I'm high risk and my parents are high risk and 
I don't have a staff right now because my staff is high risk because one of my staff, she's a CNA. Um, she works with an Alzheimer's patient. Wow. And she's not going to compromise her patient. Absolutely. She loves her. And so I respect that fully and I want to hold her to that. And my other, oh, that's Hannah. And Hannah's actually my cousin, nepotism, but it's fine. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then Esme is her high school best friend. And Esme originally started out as helping me, you know, do Instagram on uh, on uh, online, helping me on, on Saturday nights doing Instagram. And she ended up being instrumental. She can serve. She can take photos. She's hilarious. She loves to play. She's so fun. So I have the great little team with Hannah and Esme and then my mom. So, but they, and Esme works, lives with her grandmother. So she said, I'd rather not do dinners until I can. And so I'm absolutely respectful we did a dinner without them back in may i was terrified mm -hmm. my brother my my, my uh, pleasure brother came down from minnesota he's getting his phd in neuroscience and he was he was quarantined by himself for six weeks and he was like i'm going crazy yeah i'm going crazy i'm going to corpus so he ended up working in a ruffian with us and it was fun but i missed my girls for uh, sure yeah <laughs> you're like thanks for filling in but yeah. we're gonna go uh, with the a team <laughs> yeah Oh my goodness. No, I, I have no doubt that you're going to come back. I mean, just strong like that. If there's a theme for you, it is that like you'll, you know, be on a brief hiatus for whatever reason. And then you come back to, you know, to kill it. So I can't wait to see that. So anyone that wants to look at upcoming dinners, obviously right now, you know, don't get your hopes up per se, but you can go to the ruffian.com to look for upcoming dinners. And I know you'll keep people posted on if there are delays or anything like that. Um, yes. also the pictures there are amazing and you can learn a little bit more about how the process works, which sounds really awesome. And so Natalie, what advice would you give to someone who wants to pursue their passion, but maybe feels like, you know, the finances aren't right, or, you know, maybe they are experiencing some sort of health issue and just feel like they can't do it. What would you say to them? Just start. Uh, the hardest part is starting the hard the hardest part is getting out of your head enough take the step forward and try it so it sounds like it kind of sounds like a cliche answer but just to start but that's all I did I just had to pick myself up and push myself forward and just start and you have to want it bad enough and you have to be willing to work hard enough and it'll work out truly it will work out and just be persistent be tenacious the worst they can say is no and I've heard no a hundred times so and give you a floppy fish handshake <laughs> yeah sucks don't do that. Yeah. Don't and give a nice firm handshake to everyone you meet. Spare your shoulders, <laughs> look them in the eye. Please. <laughs> oh man. I, you know, I wonder if they know what they lost out on, but I feel like it was instrumental in you developing the ruffian. You know what I mean? Like things had to go yeah. down the way they went down so you For could sure. be where you are. So Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, not that, right? We could have done without that. <laughs> But you inspire me so, so much. I just appreciate you. I appreciate how much you love what you do and how much you love, you know, shining a light on Corpus and making it a place people want to come and stay. And your story is incredible. And I appreciate you sharing that with me so much. And I can't wait to see you back in the kitchen. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I appreciate it. And yeah, I can't wait for the referee to be back up and running. Please, so soon. <laughs>